0: there are people that you have gotten to know so well and there are people who know you so very well that when they observe you when they when they watch you when they see your tendencies they listen to your words and they hear your laughter and 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 note your various characteristics they will say with certainty there is absolutely no doubt that she is a and they'll put your name in there. Or they'll say about a fella, you know, there's absolutely no doubt that he is his father's son. He just walks like him. He acts like him. He's got all the features of his dad. Every one of us, regardless of our age, is continuing to mature and develop. Now, you may not think so, but that is the way God has planned it. And no matter how old we are, we continue to grow and mature and develop. It's from a process from birth to death that we're involved in. However, most significant across the years of our lives, across the lifespan, are the features unique to people described in the gospel of John. And I want to share with you what these features are because these should be yours. And so we turn to the very first chapter of the gospel of John, verses 12 to 13. And here is this great, uh, these two great verses. But as many as received him, that is Jesus, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Note what it says there. He gave you the right. He gave you the right to become children of God, to have the characteristics, the features, the nature of your heavenly Father. Those who have been given the right to become the children of God are distinguished, John said, by four features, And those four features are tucked away in the scripture that I just read to you in those five verses. So I'm going to quickly lift them up for you this morning. You may want to note them because these should be features that are developing in each of you as Christians. The first feature is found in verse 28. You abide in him. You abide in him. Now, little children, abide in him. So that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink away from him in shame at his coming. Abide in him. What John is saying there is so vitally important to our faith today. It means live in the faith of your salvation. Live in the faith of your salvation. When you abide, it signifies permanently remaining in something. So here John is saying, we are to permanently remain in Christ so that we have fellowship with Jesus. This is something that he says believers seek. They desire, they want, they pursue it and it builds confidence for them in their relationship to Jesus Christ. It's not something that is once and done by attending a worship service on a Sunday morning or a special class during the week, but it is a constant seeking and desiring and wanting to be in Christ so that when we make our decisions, when we present ourselves in our professions, When we walk our neighborhoods, when we're part of our schools, when we're riding the school bus, when we're on our teams, wherever we are, we are thinking, how does my presence here honor Jesus Christ? John says, a feature of the children of God is that they abide in him. Another way of saying this, and John has it here in this 28th verse kind of, Uh, tucked away or, or hidden, he says, that we may have confidence and not shrink away from him in shame at his coming. Christ is going to return. And he says, may you not be embarrassed on that day. May you not be ashamed when Jesus comes. Avoid embarrassment. Avoid embarrassment. Christian woman and Christian man, by being where you are supposed to be. Don't tell Jesus you're gonna be one place and when he returns, have him find you somewhere else. As a parent, I laid the law down on that one. Don't ever tell me you're going to be one place and have me find you at another. If you have to change locations, if something has happened, then you call and you let me know. But you better be where you told dad you're gonna be. That's what John is saying here. That's the weight. That's the weight of verse 28. You say you are in Christ, then be in Christ. You say you belong to Jesus, then belong to Jesus. And stop equivocating. Stop waffling back and forth. If you're with a preacher, you're holy. But if you're with somebody else that doesn't go to church all the time, you're trying to identify with them because you think they're gonna be a, a good friend to you. Come on, come on, abide in him. That's a feature of the child of God. They look for ways to stay close to Jesus Christ. That's their desire, that's their purpose. There were a couple times in my life where I didn't practice this when I was a young guy, a real young guy in my early teens. And I remember my dad taking me aside and saying to me, if you had gone where you told me you would be, this would not have happened to you. You would not be in this trouble. You would not be in this difficulty. Danny, if you had just done what you said you were going to do. Christians, if you would just do what you've told Jesus you're going to do, you will be blessed. Don't play games with the Savior. A feature of the child of God is that she and he abides in him. They abide in him. They are significantly Permanently in Christ, they're not with him one day and off somewhere else the next. The second feature of the child of God, John says, is they practice righteousness. They practice righteousness. Verse 29 If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. That can't be any clearer. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. What John's saying is, hey, Christian woman, Christian man, this is your sign, this is your distinction, righteousness in all of the practices of your life. This is one of the most important ways. This is one of the most important methods that God has for changing the world. God wants Christians to be the instruments by which he changes the world. I, this is a tremendous time to be in Christ. This is a tremendous time in world history to be part of the Christian church. Everywhere, we look. There is a field that is ready to be harvested. There is an area of of our society, an area of life that needs to be touched by the gospel of Jesus Christ that you know. How are you doing with that? Are you bearing him witness? Are you in the service of your Savior wherever you go, wherever you're spending your time daily? I want to... I wanna remind you of what Paul said to the Christians in Corinth. It's in his second letter to the Christians there. It's in chapter five, verse 20. Listen to this. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. God making an appeal through you. That's your significance. Because of you, because of who you are, because of the way you practice righteousness, is someone considering giving their life to Jesus Christ? Are you so appealing as a Christian, so distinctive that someone is considering coming to the Savior because of your witness? Are you, who are you talking to about Jesus? Who are you bearing witness to in the principles and the values and the ethics of your lives? So that you are distinctive and apart. And you are the one God is appealing to someone else through for the wholeness of life. John's point in this verse is that righteous living is the proof of being born again. Righteous living is the proof of being born again. <clears throat> the third feature of the child of God or of God's children. He says, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us. What manner of love. It's, it's, just, it's just a statement of wonder, of awe. What manner of love the Father has bestowed on us. He's saying, imagine this. Think of this. Just get lost in the in the wonder of all of this. The manner of the love of the Father for us. Hope is large and it is sustained by the love of God for us in our salvation. Have you been lost in the wonder of that? How much the Father loves you? What he has provided for you to have a a way out of your disappointment and your failures? Maybe a past that you just wish had never occurred, that you had never been part of. He has a way out for that. His Savior Son even called himself the way, the truth, and the life. The love of the Father that has been given to us. John is just in wonder and awe of that. And so ought we to be. What God has done to bring us a sustaining joy and grace filled life. <clears throat> Therefore, the world does not know us, he says. Therefore, the world does not know us. So many of you have said to me, especially some of our some of our older members have said, I just don't feel like I belong here anymore. There's a lot of us struggling with that. With everything that <clears throat> that is going on in this world, everything that, that we are confronting, the, the 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 tendencies in our society, it's all very disturbing. It's a it's a whole different age. One of the one of the names that was read to you this morning was the name of Marie Nye. As I stood beside her bed uh, the last time, Marie said to me, "She said, Pastor, she said, I want to leave this world. I don't belong here anymore. I want to be with Jesus." John says all. Oh, Oh, the manner of love, the manner of love the Father has bestowed on us. And because of that, he's given us a new nature, features that are not recognized in the world. One of the most dramatic statements about that is found in the first letter of Peter. And I want to call your attention to words that I hope are familiar to you. But if they're not, jot down 1 Peter 4, 3 to 4. 1 Peter 4, 3 to 4. And here's what Peter wrote. For the time already is past for you to have carried out the desire of the Gentiles, having pursued a course of sensuality, lusts, drunkenness, carousing, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. In all of this, look at this, they are surprised that you do not run with them into the same excesses of dissipation. And they malign you. And that's okay. That's all right. If you're not understood, if you're criticized, if, if in an, an adult kind of way, you know, people are putting you down and making fun of you, be glad that you are privileged and honored to suffer for Jesus' sake because he was privileged and honored to suffer for you. That's the Savior we worship this morning. You find things strange and different and hard to comprehend. Here's why. Because you're focusing on Jesus Christ and you need to understand that as a woman, as a man in Christ, you are the aliens in this world. The aliens aren't extraterrestrials. The aliens are the Christians. And when you're in Christ, you stand out as different. The fourth characteristic that John has tucked here into his letter, the fourth feature of God's children is this, we shall be like him. We shall be like him. It's it's verse, in chapter three, it's verse two. Beloved, now we are children of God and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. You do not see Jesus without being in Jesus. It's being in Jesus that gives you the eyes to see Jesus. Understand that? You got that? The identification of you with Christ must be your continual desire to be in Christ. Now there's a tension here uh, between the first and second parts of this verse. Beloved, we are now children of God. And then he goes on and he says, and it has not appeared as yet what we shall be, but we will know that when he appears, we will be like him. At the return of Christ, at the return of Christ, Paul is saying, or John is saying, believers will experience ultimate conformity to his likeness. At the return of Jesus, we will experience ultimate conformity to his likeness. Now that brings us to really the key verse of the passage of the text of the morning. And it's the third verse. <clears throat> and here it is. And everyone who has this hope fixed and everyone who has this hope fixed, anchored, screwed down on him purifies himself just as he is pure. In other words, as we live expecting Christ's return, that makes a difference. In how we behave. If we are expecting Jesus to come back, do you want him to find you faithful? Or do you want him to catch you in unfaithfulness? Do you want him to discover you someplace in a den of iniquity? And sin? Or do you want him to find you expectant and anticipating his return? The feature of the children of God that distinguishes them is that they want to belong to Jesus and they do not want to be embarrassed when he comes back, their desire is to be like Jesus now. So that whether it's soon or whether it's later, when he comes, they're ready. And that is in every area of life. Don't, do not compartmentalize your lives. Every area of your life, either Jesus is Lord or he is not. And we've been over this for the last several weeks. John says, Purify. Purify yourselves. Make sure that you're clean. Make sure of that, that you're walking in the ways of your Lord. So, what are to be your features? As children of God, you are to abide in him. You are to practice righteousness. You are just lost in the wonder and awe of the love that the Father has bestowed on you, the love he has lavished upon you, the grace he has poured out upon you. And you desire the truth of the scripture to be fulfilled that you shall be like him. You're going to do everything you can to be like him now so that when he comes, when Jesus comes back, you will be like him fully and completely in every way. Those should be your features. And those should be the features that we ought to be able to recognize in one another. Boy, when you look at her, wow, when you hear him talk, you just know. You just know where she came from. You just know where he came from. You just know where she and he is headed. They belong to Jesus Christ. The features of the Father God just flow out of them. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, oh, to be like you, to have your mind, your heart, your desire for righteousness and purity in us. Lord, through your Holy Spirit, conform us that standard of scripture, give us more and more desire to see you and understand you, to identify with you and to, to know you, and bless each woman and, and man here today, each young person in these, in these very uh, formative and impressionable years of their lives to understand the significance of, of this scripture that it is for us, that it is for today, and that it is for us to become like you so that when you come to be among us again and receive us to yourself, we may be with you forever. Father, we're about to receive the wonderful bread and, and cup of Holy Communion. This is a splendid Service to celebrate now as we conclude this brief study of the first letter of John. As we eat the bread and drink the cup, we've done it many times before. And for some of us, it's going to be routine. But for others this morning, it's going to be the first mark of their new intention to be accented with the features of the children of God. Bless them in that, strengthen them, use them, teach them, take them close to yourself. That each of these dear souls will more and more find themselves in the center of your gracious will. And so we remember again this morning, our Father, that the bread represents the broken body of your Son. The grape juice, his blood poured out for the sin of the world to wash us clean. We do not presume to come to this table trusting in righteousness of our own, but only in the imputed righteousness of Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, lead, guide, and bless us now in this time of a wonderful, holy communion with you as we celebrate among members of the body of Christ. <clears throat> in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. Amen.